Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Deals and money. We are constantly seeking deals and money as real estate investors, and I bet you're having a challenge right now, especially with deals, if you're like most real estate investors, because it's tough to find deals right now. But here's the thing. There's a competitive advantage out there that when implemented, it will help you accomplish your objective of getting more deals and or getting more investors. And that is having a great follow-up system. Having a great follow-up is one of the keys to success in real estate and follow-up boss is the leading CRM for real estate. This is the system you need in place so you can reach out to owners and brokers directly for deals or you can follow up with your investors and you do it all in one spot. The CRM makes it 10 times faster to call and text owners then integrates those into a software so nothing slips through the cracks. The follow-up boss conversion system and powerful management tools help align your methods and drive growth that otherwise it could have been missed and probably would have been missed. Go to followupboss.com forward slash best ever to get a system in place. And if you need help, they got you covered. Followup Boss offers experts seven days a week. You can pick up the phone and speak to an actual human being anytime during business hours. Visit followupboss.com forward slash best ever to check out how much time you could save by streamlining your follow-up process. Best ever listeners, they're treating you extra special. You get an extended 30-day free trial twice the length of the normal trial for a limited time, go to followupboss.com forward slash best ever and perfect your follow-up. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Don't run out of money with any project that you get into, especially these value-add deals where you're going to have a dip in occupancy. You never want to run out of money. Hello, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Ash Patel and I'm with today's guest, Rich Summers. Rich is joining us from San Diego, California. He is the founder of Fortune Cribs, which helps clients buy short-term rentals that they design and manage. Rich is also the managing partner at Pack 3 Capital, a multifamily and short-term rental syndication company. Rich, thank you for joining us. And how are you today? Ash, doing well. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm excited for this conversation. I'm doing very well. How are you doing today, my man? I'm doing great. And I'm glad you're here, Rich. Let's get into it. But before we do, can you give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Yeah. So I grew up middle class. My mom was an immigrant from Taiwan. 
My parents both know the value of working hard and saving your money. I was always taught from a young age to go to school, get good grades, go to college and get a job. And for the most part, that's what I did. I have a background in sales. While I was going to college, I started selling cell phones and then cars. And that was the first time I realized that I could impact how much I made. And I really wanted to sell commercial real estate when I got out of school. 2008, I graduated. I interviewed with a couple commercial brokerages, CB Richard Ellis and Grubbin Ellis. And they were both like, hey, we love your hustle, but this is not a good time to get into the industry. Everything was starting to come down. They pulled these internship positions that I had interviewed for. And I had found myself on a car lot selling cars in 2008. Not a lot of job opportunity out there, figuring out what the heck I'm going to do with my life. And I backed into a career as an air traffic controller, working airplanes for a living. Ended up doing that for 11 years. But along the way, I remember real estate. I read the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and just figured out a way to restructure my life and jump into the real estate investing realm. And so I did at the time what a lot of people told me not to do. They said it was too risky. I cashed out my 401k. I pulled out a home equity line of credit against my primary residence here in San Diego. And I started buying some cash producing real estate. First deal was 11 unit building in Cincinnati. Shortly after that, I partnered with a couple of my partners who I syndicate with today. And we joint ventured on a 32 unit building in Indianapolis. We launched a podcast. We learned how to raise money. And last year, we took down a couple larger syndicated deals. The Arbors, 150 units in Greensboro, North Carolina, with our investors. And Timber Creek Apartments, 145 units also out in Greensboro with our investors. And along the way, started buying some short-term rentals. This year, realized, man, it's been hard to find multifamily to pencil when we underwrite. There's a lot of competition out there. Yields have come down. Cap rates have compressed. And it's very competitive out there. And so along the way, realized, man, these short-term rentals are cash flowing so great. The tax benefits are awesome. So thought, hey, man, this year, 2022, let's focus on building the short-term rental side of the portfolio. So my partners and I, we're going to launch a fund to go buy short-term rentals with our investors and also recently launched a company, which you alluded to, Fortune Cribs, where we help investors buy short-term rentals in select markets around the country that we help them close on. They own 100% of the property, but our team will do all the work. We'll design, furnish, and manage all the day-to-day operations, making the experience truly hands-off to the investor. And that's really my story in a nutshell. Rich, that first property in Cincinnati, were you in San Diego at the time? I was in San Diego. How did you buy a property in Cincinnati as your first property? I was looking for cash flow and I was looking for a property that was going to be a good first property to get into, something that didn't have a ton of risk, good cash flow, buy at a high cap rate, and I could add a little bit of value. So I was looking in select markets. My research took me to Cincinnati and that's how I was able to get it done, man. There was a lot of mistakes made with that one. Hired the wrong property manager. The rents were low, had a lot of deferred maintenance. As soon as we closed on it, a bunch of people moved out, but we got in there. We started turning the units and fast forward to today, I actually closed on a refi not too long ago and was able to pull all my initial capital out plus a little bit on top. And we've been able to almost double the gross income on that property over the last two and a half years. Did you have partners in that first property? No, it was just me. And what were some of the challenges in terms of remotely managing this property? 
I think the biggest challenge was finding the right property manager. Like I alluded to, I, I hired the wrong one initially. She said all the right things. That's another tip for your listeners is a lot of these property managers, the third party ones, especially with these smaller buildings, they are a little bit more mom and pop, but a lot of them tend to say the right things in these interviews. But quickly realized after close within six weeks that she was not the right fit. And I pivoted to property manager number two, who I should have went with from the jump. And that one I met through the listing broker who had sold the deal to me. And since then I've been using them and it's been night and day, much better transition. They've done a great job and yeah, it's been fun. And how are you exposed to the world of short-term rentals? Man, so it's funny you asked that. It was actually, I backed into a short-term rental a couple years ago. I had a pre-approval from a local credit union here in San Diego for a highly leveraged loan. And I thought, wow, why not take advantage of it and see how it does? I've always heard San Diego was a good short-term rental market. Let's try it. So I bought a two-bedroom condo, brand new construction here in San Diego, furnished it, threw it up on Airbnb. And this thing has just been full ever since. It's just been cash flowing like crazy. And have you taken any of your multifamily properties, converted a portion or all of them to short-term rentals? No, have yet to do that. I've definitely made a couple runs at some smaller multifamily properties in hopes to transition them to short-term rentals, but haven't been able to find anything that really fit that mold. So have yet to do that. Is it all single families that you're converting to STRs? Yeah, mostly single families. Some of the client properties that we're bringing on are smaller multifamilies, duplexes, and up to four units. My partner, Mike, he actually has a fourplex in Cleveland that was all long-terms when he bought them, operated it that way for a couple of years, and recently converted them all to short-term. And the cash flow is just so much better from what he's mentioned, at least. And Rich, what do you tell somebody who wants to dip their toes into short-term rentals? What advice would you give them? Well, I'd say this. If you're an investor out there and, and, and you can only afford to do one deal in the next couple of years, and maybe it's your first deal, whatever it is, I always suggest to investors all the time, you probably want to consider going the short-term rental route. People all the time are like, man, I just closed on my long-term. I'm making 150 bucks a door. I'm like, dude, that doesn't even get me out of bed. So if you're looking for cash flow and passive income, and you only have the ability to do one deal every couple of years, I would highly suggest going the short-term rental route do your research, reach out to someone that's already done it before and make sure you go into the right market and you understand the fundamentals, but you also understand the projected revenue, the seasonality and the occupancy in any given market that you go into. Rich, the fund that you're starting, what are the anticipated returns? The fund that we are starting, we are looking at cash on cash returns in the 20% range for the investors. And overall returns are a little bit more challenging to measure because this is not value-add multifamily where we're forcing our appreciation. So we never want to bank on long-term appreciation, but cash-on-cash returns in the low 20% range. And is that available immediately or is there a hold period or waiting period? It is not available at this very moment. We are putting together the fund now. We're probably looking at sometime around May of 2022 before we launch this fund. Let me rephrase the question. So once somebody invests their capital into this fund, do they immediately start getting returns or is there a lockout period, a hold period? 
Yes. It won't be immediately, but it'd be pretty quickly because it's not like multifamily where we're going to start a fund and then we got to go find these deals where it could take potentially a long time to find the right deal. With these short-term rentals, it's a lot easier to find deals that actually pencil. So the, the hold period or the wait period might only be six weeks before you actually start making some money versus multifamily where it might be a little bit longer. Got it. And then you mentioned you help clients design and set up their short-term rentals. Mm -hmm. What is that? We have an awesome design team with our company, Fortune Cribs, and they will actually fly out to whatever market that we purchase the short-term rental for the client. They'll fly out, design, furnish, come up with a house manual, set up the cleaning, the maintenance, and all that sort of thing. But the furnishing and the design for any short-term rental is one of the most crucial pieces to this investment vehicle because you want to bring something that's unique to the marketplace. A lot of guests that travel and stay in short-term rentals are millennial demographic or younger, and everyone is looking for that property with that Instagrammable feature. And so we try to include an Instagrammable feature on the property, whether it's inside or out. We like to use unique styling and concepts that do well in that particular market. So we'll do market research and see what the top performing properties in that market, what they look like from a furnishing standpoint, and we'll try to match that so we're not guessing. We'll get back to the show with a first, some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. What's holding you back from getting into apartment building deals? Is it knowledge, fear, inability to take action, lack of support? If it's any of these things, then I suggest you consider Deal Maker Mentoring with Michael Blanc. Michael's program is the most effective program to help you syndicate your first apartment building deal. During Deal Maker Mentoring, you'll work directly with one of Michael's experienced mentors who have successfully replaced their income with apartment buildings. They've already done what you want to do, which is become financially free. So in addition to providing their own syndication experience, they've been trained in Michael's unique Deal Maker Blueprint designed to help you do your first deal and become financially free just like them in the next one to three years. To find out more, text the word Joe to 66866. I know Michael's going to get you to where you'd like to be. Again, text the word Joe to 66866. Do it right now while it's fresh on your mind, and let's get you started with your own syndication business. I'd like to introduce you to my good friends over at PassiveInvesting.com, a private equity real estate firm based out of the Carolinas. PassiveInvesting.com makes it easy for you to start investing in real estate. They focus on acquiring institutional quality apartments and self-storage facilities with private accredited investor funds. They also have a real estate debt fund that offers hard money loans to local fix and flippers across the U.S., which currently has a 0% default rate. With a portfolio of over $700 million in assets and controlling over $250 million in equity, they know how to secure the best deals and how to avoid the red flags. If you are interested in learning more, please reach out directly to PassiveInvesting.com and request the free Passive investor guide that outlines the seven red flags for passive apartment and self-storage investing. Visit PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags to download that PDF now. That's PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags. What are examples of Instagrammable experiences or objects? So I'll give you an example. So I just closed on about a month ago. It's a luxury home in Scottsdale. It's two and a half million dollar project, going to put about $500,000 into a full renovation. And right now it's like six bedrooms, seven bath. We're going to convert it into eight bedrooms, eight baths. It's a 7,600 square foot property. Our Instagrammable feature is we're going to include a speakeasy 
on the property. So we're going to have this library looking wall with like a secret door that pivots into the speakeasy. We're going to have a cool bar, tiki style looking bar in there, like a lounge area. So that's going to be our Instagrammable feature for this particular property. And to give you an idea what these things make. So this particular property in Scottsdale, the comps out there in the neighborhood are bringing in anywhere from $500,000 to $800,000 a year in gross revenue. And in this short-term rental asset class, about 50% of your gross revenue will drop to your bottom line and be your net cash flow after all expenses and after debt service. That is insane. And I want to stay there. I want to speak <laughs> easy in my short-term rental. That is hey, awesome. You're welcome to come out anytime, my man. You're more than welcome. So do you still look for multifamily deals? Is it on your radar? Yeah. We're still operating the ones that we have, but we've focused our attention, at least for this year, away from searching for multifamily and we're just pivoting over to short-term rentals. We might get back in multifamily, maybe next year, maybe the year after, I don't know. But for this year, we're solely focusing on short-term rentals. So let's play devil's advocate for a minute. A lot of cities are cracking down on short-term rentals. Hotels have incredible lobbying power. Where do you see the future of short-term rentals going? And what are some of the headwinds you're going to encounter? Yeah, so that is the biggest risk to this asset class in investment vehicle is the regulatory environment changing. As you know, there are a lot of markets around the country that have already cracked down on short-term rentals. So there's ways to mitigate that. One of the things we do is we like to go into markets that are a little bit more short-term rental friendly. These tend to be markets that are a little bit more landlord friendly, conservative states. There are some states out there that took the opposite approach. Arizona is one of them where the governor actually signed something into contract that says it is highly disencouraged and illegal for cities and municipalities within the state of Arizona to highly regulate short-term rentals. Their stance is like, hey, we want to encourage tourism. It helps stimulate our local economy, our local businesses, et cetera. So you want to start to focus on markets like that or go into vacation towns that have had vacation rentals for decades and decades before Airbnb and Verbo was ever a thing. Those are other areas that are safe bets. But the ways to mitigate the risk if the regulations were to change, one, you can always fall back to midterm stays. Short-term rentals are defined in most cities around the country as anything less than 30 days. So if the regulations do change, you can always fall back to 30-day or greater stays in furnish, which is a growing demand for as this whole work-from-home notion becomes more and more prevalent. I've heard a lot of different numbers out there, but we had Neil Bawa on our show not too long ago, and he threw out the number 22 million Americans, roughly. 22 million Americans are adopting this new way of life to where they are no longer going back to the office. They prefer to work remotely and kind of do the whole digital nomad thing. And they're bouncing around and living in different cities around the world, and they're not moving their furniture with them. So I think there's a growing demand for that. Should the regulations change? Brian Chesky, the CEO of Airbnb, he said recently in an interview, he said, people are no longer staying in short-term rentals. They're living in short-term rentals. So I feel very bullish on this asset class. I feel like it's still the first setting in short-term rentals. And I would also imagine in downtown Phoenix, city centers, where you can find cheaper housing, there's a mm -hmm. lot of short-term rentals and they would be the first to regulate $3 million homes in Scottsdale are probably not going to get regulated. 
Yeah, because you're not really taking a lot of housing off of the market for a potential renter in that price point. Is that why you're alluding to that? Yeah. How many people are going to crowd million dollar plus homes and how many millionaires are going to complain, hey, we can't find a deal because all Mm -hmm. these short-term rental guys are driving up prices? Right. That's a good point. And that's another reason why this housing market has been on fire over the last couple of years that a lot of people don't even mention. It's the short-term rental industry. Yeah. Rich, is that a negated community, the $3 million property? It is not. It's a community without an HOA. So we typically want to stay away from properties that have HOAs. Yeah. That's a challenge. You're going to draw a lot of attention there. (laughs) Awesome. What's the biggest lesson you've learned or the hardest lesson you've learned with short-term rentals? I think it was early on when I got into my first few short-term rentals. I didn't have the same tools to my disposal that we'd use today, such as AirDNA. Today, we use AirDNA. We have the national subscription, so we can pull up any zip code in the world that has short-term rentals, and we can see exactly what those properties are making. We can see the seasonality. We can see the occupancy. We can see a lot of different stuff, but when I first got into it, I was really just guessing and I was taking a risk. I was speculating a little bit, but sometimes without risk, there's no growth. So I think that was the biggest challenge for me early on is not having all the available information to my disposal. Now we do. Rich, getting investors on multifamily versus short-term rentals. Can you dive into that a little bit? Yeah. So I think there's a lot of similarities and then there's some differences. Some of the similarities are networking to meet investors, That's all really going to be the same. An investor that has the capacity to invest as a limited partner in a syndication typically has the capacity and wherewithal to be able to buy a short-term rental under Fortune Cribs and get a loan and that sort of thing. Some of the differences are as a limited partner in a syndication, you're investing in an LLC typically that owns a property or maybe owns a few different properties. Now with this model under Fortune Cribs, the investors actually own 100% of the deal. They get 100% of the tax benefits. They get 100% of the loan pay down. They get 100% of the long-term appreciation and they get 100% of the cash flow after all the expenses. And so that's really the main difference. They get 100% of the cash flow after expenses. How do you guys make money? So we take a split on the gross monthly revenue. Typically, it's about 25% of all gross monthly revenue that comes in. The design, furnish, and all that sort of stuff, we don't make any money on that. It's really just on the gross revenue and on the operational side is where we make our money. So essentially, we're kind of partners with the investor, although they own 100% of the deal. So we don't get the benefit in the long-term upside, just on the monthly cash flow upside. I get it, man. I could see how that can be very attractive to investors. Mm -hmm. What is your best real estate investing advice ever? Don't run out of money with any project that you get into, especially these value add deals where you're going to have a dip in occupancy. You never want to run out of money. Our first 32 unit deal, we made a lot of mistakes. We ran very, very low on money. The pandemic dropped shortly after that. We had a lot of vacant units. We had some serious heart-to-heart talks. But just know if you do run out of money, there's always outs and always solutions that you can arrive to. That deal, we actually just went full cycle on. We sold it about a month ago and we 3X the value of the property in just 25 months. What was your solution when you guys ran out of money? (laughs) That's a great question. We were able to secure a 
non-secured private second mortgage on the property, which it gave us the funds to complete our business plan, really. And this was during the pandemic? Right when the pandemic dropped. (laughs) Man, good for you guys for being resourceful. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. No, absolutely. There's always a solution for everything. I think success is never a straight line. Yeah. Rich, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Let's do it. Let's do it. Rich, what's the best ever book you recently read? Oh, The E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber. I just read it recently. And wow, that book has changed a lot of stuff within my life. And for the listeners out there, it talks about working on your business and not being a worker bee in your business, knowing the value of your time. Rich, what's the best ever way you like to give back? One of the things I'd like to do here in San Diego is I volunteer with a program called Big Brothers, Big Sisters. They have them in big cities across the country, but I was matched with a few years ago with a nine-year-old boy named Isaac. Comes from a little bit rougher background. His father's not in the picture, and we get to hang out one or two times a month and go do fun stuff. He's almost 12 now. Good kid. And Rich, how can the best ever listeners reach out to you? Yeah. So you can find me on social. Instagram handle is at rich underscore summers. That's S-O-M-E-R-S. I'm pretty active on social media. If you want to check out our podcast, it's The Multifamily Takeoff. If you want to learn more about Fortune Cribs and buy a short-term rental, it's fortunecribs.com. And if you want to check out our syndication company and our fund that we'll be launching in a couple months, you can check us out on pack3capital.com. Rich, I got to thank you for sharing your story with us today. Mark Cuban recently said, You can try a lot of different things. You can move on if you don't enjoy something because you only have to be right one time. I'm glad you found your one right time coming from the immigrant upbringing, selling cars, air traffic controller, and now you're killing it in real estate, man. Thank you for sharing your story with us. Ash, thank you so much for the kind words, man. I enjoyed this conversation. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, best ever listeners. Thank you so much for joining us as well. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five-star review. Share the podcast with someone you think can benefit from it. Please also follow, subscribe, and have a best ever day.